Welcome to the Landscapes and Pancakes podcast, where we explore all of the wonderful opportunities that the green industry offers. I'm Neil Best. Joined as always to help me navigate this green journey is the intrepid Samantha Best. Oh, Neil, it is so wonderful to see you today. Thank you, Samantha. How are you and how have you survived 2020? Oh, it has not been easy, let me tell you. Has it not? I cannot believe that we started this podcast in the middle of a pandemic. (laughs) What were we thinking? (laughs) Such crazy kids. That we are. (laughs) I can't do it anymore. I'm sorry. What are you guys doing? The Landscapes and Pancakes Podcast. Wow. There are a bajillion aspects to the green industry. All right. I just want this podcast to be real. (laughs) Interesting. It's not always fun. What? But I think people go through this. I know. None of it makes sense. Seriously. We are the ones designing and we are the ones building. We respect each other. Respect. Well, babe, thanks for appeasing me. I had to try it. You know, I really didn't want to do that. I know, but it was fun. It was my, that was my best NPR voice. It was pretty good. It was pretty good too. Hey, maybe we have new careers ahead of us. I wouldn't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Well, listen, I have to say we, I'm pretty sure we are crazy on many levels. Yeah. Many, many, many levels. today affirms that. Yes. So we are headed out the door for a little bit. Mm -hmm. We will be working remotely. Yeah. From the beautiful state of Arkansas. Yeah. May as well tell the people. Woo! (laughs) We kind of uh, have done something that was kind of a a little bit of a dream, and we just kind of made it happen, so that's exciting. Yeah, I think it was a dream that started, I don't know, whenever we got together, say 15 or so years ago, we just didn't know where that dream was going to take place. And now we do. Yeah. At At least this stage of it. With two kids, a van, and a trailer that we're going to tow behind us. So we just spent- And a dog. And a dog and a hamster. And a hamster. <laughs> yes. So, we, so yes. We we're crazy. We just spent the last two days packing up, getting ready to go. And um, we were like, we got to get this podcast out the door. Yes. <laughs> so here we are recording our intro at about five <laughs> o'clock. And I, and I still have to pack all my clothes. Right. right. But I, I will say, so- I, we started this right before Corona, right? right? Uh, so we didn't see that coming. Um, and the goal was to do, full disclosure, two episodes a month. So <laughs> You actually made that, me promise that that would happen. <laughs> I know. Um, and we, I, I, call, I, you know, to, to my credit, as I get older, I'm starting to realize what we can and can't do, what we shouldn't do. But we, we banged out 12 episodes. Right, this is Lucky 13. Right, so let's let's make it a goal to do 12 this year. Yes. Until or maybe more, but you know maybe what? not. <laughs> Some awesome sponsor wants to pay us to do it more often. How about we talk about it then? And until then, 12's the goal. But Neil, you're forgetting we actually do have three new sponsors. Oh, that's right. It's so exciting. All right, let's So go ahead, off. go. Let's do it. All right. This episode of the Landscapes and Pancakes podcast is brought to you by the Autoscape app. Simply upload pictures of your property and have your dream landscape design in minutes. Because grading and drainage really aren't that important. The Autoscape app. <laughs> I like how you say important. <laughs> I'm trying to emphasize. <laughs> so I'm trying to prove how important that, that we can do ad reads. Oh, okay. Well, let me hear another one because. The important 
This work. is a good one. You ready? <laughs> okay, let's see. Who's next? Volcano mulch. When mulch matters more than the plant. Find out more at plantsreallyaren'tthatimportantanyway.com. Can you stop saying important, please? I never realized I said, do I normally say no, that No, you don't. You are emphasizing every single letter. Well, it's, this is important to get <laughs> the enunciation. Okay, who's next? <sighs> oh boy, we're never getting a sponsor. <clears throat> who's next? Oh, there's gonna be lining out the door, man. I'm telling you. You ready? <clears throat> And finally, thank you to Inside Out Audio, now offering 20% off the latest Garden Max Outdoor TV, the latest 450-inch hurricane-proof screen, now comes equipped with a state-of-the-art Roman Coliseum audio package. Mention the code Landscapes and Pancakes at checkout for your discount. Inside Out Audio, because really, who wants to just sit in nature? <laughs> So how big was that screen? 450 inches, How baby. many feet is that? I don't Can know. You do the math? they do it on a diagonal, right? I don't know TVs, Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they do do it on but a diagonal. That's a hell of a big TV. That's <laughs> damn <laughs> big TV. That's what we need. Because <laughs> the thing is, right, if you don't have that size TV. What's with the, the point? With the, with the, um, the Roman Coliseum audio package, you're going to hear the, the birds and all the, the water. The it's crickets. Gonna, yeah. You don't like, want to hear that no, crap. Come on. What are we doing here? <laughs> All right. Well, there is a little fun for you for episode so 13. You people out there, too, can have an ad read on the Landscapes and Pancakes podcast. So let's go. Yeah. 2021's our year, baby. Just throw it at us. Mm-hmm. All right, buddy. Let's get serious. Get down to business. Let's go. <laughs> Guest time. Come on. Okay. 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 So for lucky episode number 13, Woo. we have John Shaw Remington on today. Oh, I'm ecstatic. Ecstatic. When he said yes, it was just... One of those guests that I was like, yes, because he's, in my mind, he's just, he's a living legend in the stone world. Yeah. So John works out of Canada and he's the founder and president of Dry Stone Walling across Canada. Mm -hmm. And he's really fun to talk to. So let's get mm -hmm, him on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We are so excited today to have John Shaw Remington with us. John is a waller sculptor president and founder of the Dry Stone Wall, Walling Across Canada. Did I get it right? Did I say it? Pretty close. Pretty close. <laughs> Did I leave something out? Um, um, the, the, I think the bio went on to say exploring arty things in stone. I don't know whether, it, I, maybe that's not one. I like arty things. I love it. Yeah. I Dig love it. it. So, so John, I have to tell you, our youngest son has started doing gymnastics recently. And I have to say, he has nothing over you when it comes to forward somersaults. <laughs> well, I had a hill in my favor. It just, it, it just, the momentum started. I couldn't stop. <laughs> I have, but your form was immaculate. Your chin was tucked. Your body was tight. And you made it all the way down that hill. I, I didn't realize it was as good as that, but uh, I, I, I appreciate the, the comment. Thank you. I was highly impressed. <laughs> so for anybody who doesn't know what we're talking about, um, John posted this very fun video of him basically doing forward somersaults down a hill until he kind of got to the end and then just kind of unraveled. <laughs> Exploded at the end. I, I think I got dizzier. I was prepared to feel dizzy, but I was not prepared to feel that dizzy. <laughs> I'll say the most impressive thing 
is for a waller having worked stone for as many years as you have to be able to keep that form and, and stay that limber, man. That's good stuff. Well, that's that's the first thing that that you can kind of say is a plus about what we do as wallers is that we we do have a variety of body motions. It's not just like if you were a painter or a plumber or a mechanic, we get we get to do enough that we, we can almost justify it as our only as all we need to for exercise. It's not quite true, but it's close enough. Right. That's actually funny you say that because we had a conversation with our last guest. We actually spoke with a yoga instructor. Uh, mm. we're, we're very much involved with yoga. And <clears throat> we were kind of talking about the fact that you know, some people, and we used to think too, that the physicalness of what we did for work was enough for exercise. And I think we've kind of come to realize it might be exercise, but it might not be quote healthy exercise in a way, yeah. you know, or, or, or reach the, the right, uh, all the right poles that, that need to be, um, uh, exercised, I guess. I'm, 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 very bad at uh, certain stretches and I, I don't think anything I do in stone helps me stretch that way. So I've got to do it mm. some different. Right. Right. And right. maybe rolling down a hill is, is a, is a good stretch. That's a really good start. That's <laughs> well, what I would say. Yeah. I was going to say, you've got that nailed for sure. <laughs> um, all right. So let's get down to some nitty gritty details. So first of all, where in Canada are you? Um, pretty close to Toronto. Most people know where Toronto is. If you swam from Rochester across Lake Ontario, you would hit Port Hope, okay. which is right. about an hour east of Toronto. Okay. All right. Yeah, we do. I mean, my geography sucks, but I do know where Toronto <laughs> is, so I can visualize that. <laughs> Look at Chicago and go north. I feel like John is holding his tongue right now, you Americans. No, no. Your geography. I, I will <laughs> perhaps later in the conversation, but no need no. to <laughs> We've only been to the easternmost portion of, of Canada, which was lovely. Yeah, Absolutely we took a trip lovely. up to Nova Scotia two years yeah. ago. Yeah. Oh, my God. Cape Breton Island. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's really a lovely area. We were in the Quebec, um, which is not Nova Scotia at all. But <laughs> those those provinces seem connected to the New England states in more ways than I had, mm. had thought. I, I, f I found recently um, dry stone walls in Quebec uh, that were part of uh, the the craze of building walls in. Uh, in New England had uh, sort of swept up to what was uh, maybe not even Canada then, but uh, uh, we're, we're much more connected than you think uh, via dry stone walling, uh, at least the Eastern part of, the, of North America. Right. Well, now that you say that too, I think I remember, don't you remember in Nova Scotia, we were reading about there were places during the revolutionary war that troops were kind of moving mm. back and forth too. Mm -hmm. So there is definitely a rich, history between Nova Scotia and New England, for sure. Mm -hmm. And if you have an army of people and they're waiting to either attack or be attacked, it, it, it feels like the kind of thing you might get them to do. You might say, well, what are we going to, we, we've got to feed them all day or part of the day. And we've done drills. Let's get them to build some walls. And, right. and I think a lot of walls got built that way. Make walls, not war. Right. <laughs> we can all we can all just live under that. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't life be grand? So, um, John, can you tell us a little bit about how you kind of got started in this world of stonework? Can we get kind of your your backstory? 
Um, yeah, I'll, I'll try and keep it short. I, I tell a story when I'm teaching because I think it's kind of fundamental to the attitude one should take as they get closer to stone and handling it. I, I fell into a good position where I was a, a Mason's helper. Um, I had an aptitude for it. I was supposed to be hired to, to just uh, mix the, uh, the cement. And um, they'd hired two people. The other guy, Peter, was relegated to making cement, uh, mixing it in the mixer. And I, I got to fairly quickly start shaping stone. It was granite. It was glacial granite. And uh, we were building a foundation for a log house. Uh, we worked for a man who built log houses and, and, and a contractor. And, of course, he had people who would work on the, the wood. We were doing the stonework. And I found I had a kind of aptitude for it. At least uh, the fellow I was working with said, yeah, you, you, got, you got some skill there, a little bit or potential. And, and so that went on uh, so that I got to fairly quickly learn and be taught um, the basics of, of stone masonry, uh, which uh, went on for many years. Uh, what we did or what I trained to do was uh, fix or repair or restore stone buildings, uh, stone foundations, uh, build uh, traditional um, fireplaces and chimneys and do stonework. Uh, we, we studied what was then very structural stonework and, and uh, tried to reproduce it in, say, putting addition on a house or something like that. And uh, uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, even through the difficult times of, of the 80s when people weren't so uh, so quick to part with their money and, and have real stonework done, uh, they would want veneers. And, and this is when I kind of tried to enjoy what we were doing, where we were doing impersonations of thicker stonework, if you know what I mean. Sure. We, were, mm. we were taking stones that should have been laid flat and they actually were put upright because there was no room because it was a veneer but we did it as if uh people looking at it would think it was a, a shiner like it was a thick uh, half a round stone 14 inches thick and and we tried to create the same rhythm and patterns of uh, stonework that you would see that was structural but that finally uh the stones started speaking to me and said you know we're not just decoration we're not just here to the ornament the side of a building and it was a very serious uh, speaking to me. And I realized that even though I could sort of uh, fake it and make stone look structural, I, I was missing actually making, making it structural. It structural. Yeah, that's interesting. Just decorate. And there was this moment when I, 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 I realized I needed to do something real, not something that looked real, you know, and there's a big difference. Yeah. And, uh, so uh, making a long story short, I, I discovered that one of the only things you can do without going through a mess of permits, and, and even then you might not be able to ever build a structural house that I know of uh, just out of stone. I think they don't trust it enough or they don't trust the people laying stone enough to, to actually let you um, build a structural house. You have to use iron or uh, steel beams um wood uh, and those things so the only thing that i found that i could actually build and it was the real thing was a dry stone wall 
And that's what I did. I started building walls enough that uh, people driving by sort of were curious and asked about it. And I, I had to admit that I, I'd only been building uh, based on my structural knowledge of, of heritage uh, stonemasonry and uh, restoring buildings that were structural. Um, so I thought, well, I better go to England and, and find out if I'm doing it right, <laughs> if I've got brothers and sisters there who are um, similar uh, sort of masons who are uh, turning away from using mortar as a glue. And, um, and um, met up with the people uh, in Britain uh, who uh, ran the Dry Stone Walling Association of Great Britain and uh, met up with some fine people and learned the trade more, worked with them, uh, invited them over to Canada. And we started an association called uh, Dry Stone Walling Association of Canada. And I began building more and more and also uh, connecting via internet uh, with people of like mind in Canada. And we started a, uh, a, a, a basically a, a not-for-profit uh, association, except uh, there was some profit in it, you know. There should be. There has there to should be. be. Yeah, well. I want to get, I, I do, John, I do want to talk, I want to get back to the association. Um, there's a lot that I think mm -hmm. we're fascinated, but I want to just backtrack just a little bit. I wanted to just get a better understanding when you started your career, were you just out of high school? Were you? Oh, no, how, no, no. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. How did you come to even recognize this trade? So one of the things that we're trying to do with this podcast in general, and I think it's kind of akin to what you're doing with your organization is we're trying to make people understand that this is an industry that has so much to offer. So broadly speaking, we say the green industry. So whether it has to do with walling, whether it has to do with being a landscape designer or architect or a horticulturalist. We're trying to show people that there's all these different avenues that you can choose within this absolutely amazing industry. So I love to know, how did you even, how did you even know that this is something you might want to be, might want to do? Well, I, I go back to the fact that the stones were speaking to me and, and not audibly, but to the degree that they were saying, you know, uh, you, I was enjoying working with stone and doing restoration work, but they said, you know, veneer work and doing uh, stuff that is ornamental with stone, at least for my personality anyway, was not the way to go. And I began um, experimenting just uh, on my own building with stone structurally based on what I had learned as a stonemason. And of course I could shape stone, but part of the flavor, part of the joy, part of the excitement about working uh, in dry stone was that I no longer approached, a, a, I had the option of, of putting my tools down and saying, instead of saying, I can fix this stone, it was, I know where this stone can go in a, in a wall. It's it's already made for me. It's 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 a the the philosophy of it really touched me uh, deep inside because most of what we need, ironically, is always so close to us. Whether it's you know you dig a well or you, you find uh, trees to build a house or you find in the dirt enough to to grow things in. Um, I I discovered that that as the stones are waiting to be put together. That's interesting because it's it's almost um, I associate 
there's a fascination here in New England with um, fieldstone and stone walls and our historic walls is because sure. stone here is such a tremendous resource. So I wonder for you if stone's plentiful where you're from and that that really growing up in that environment, if the stone spoke to you sooner in your life than you realized. I, I kind of have that philosophical feeling myself. Um, yes. We have a tremendous... I mean, we, we have uh, schist stones that we can do flagging with here within two-hour shot of our house. And we have a tremendous yeah, um, great? granite quarries here. And we have all sorts of reclaimed mm-hmm. stones now, which is so fun to, to, to dive mm-hmm. into that world. And then our field stones. It's, New England is just like a treasure trove. A glacial um, Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I wonder if you kind of have that same experience where you're from. It, it's pretty much. We've got here in southern Ontario and, and up into the north is there enough stone of different varieties. Farmers fields covered with uh, limestone and granite glacial till and, and um, various types of field stone that are workable uh, for, for what we do. Uh, build dry stone. Um, a lot of people are, are kind of dubious about the round stones but we we have no problem with them we actually enjoy working with the round ones well i'm fascinated by those walls they're beautiful and i i wonder if you what your philosophy is on those round stones um it doesn't look like you're dressing them in any sort of way in the face you you shouldn't they're they're so hard and uh they're, they're never perfectly round but they're They've got some length to them, and you really have to work with the length to make sure that's put inside uh, the, the wall rather than along the wall. Mm. Um, and and there's a there's a tendency to want to course with them because it looks so good. If you if you can find stones of um, equal mass and size, you can um, you you can work courses where it it suddenly looks like a box of chocolates, and you go, wow, this is. <laughs> I, my thought is that, again that the stones. This is what they want to do. That we're just facilitators. We're 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 sort of. Uh, it's a privilege for us to be put uh, uh, in a position where we can um, accommodate what the stones want. Mm. And with that, <laughs> there seems as though there's there needs to be a tremendous amount of restraint on the Waller's part to not put that stone the long way, no matter how perfect it may sit. So I you wonder. Know, hit, I wonder about that. What that you hit process a great is like. word. The, the word restraint. I use it a lot in um, in um, describing what the process is of building a wall. It's restraint on every level. It's you restrain from using all your best stones first. Yes. And and only have crap afterwards, or what you think is crap. Um, you restrain from doing something that looks pretty on the outside to the expense of what's going on on the inside. You restrain from uh, putting a mossy stone outside, you know, even though you, you, you kind of wish you could show the moss, you know, structurally that it's better to, to turn the stone and using it differently. And, and, and uh, there's a, there's a, there's a sense that uh, there's a learning process that, that we, um, that Wallers have, uh, We've been given uh, the advantage of thinking about restraint, which is what we need on this planet. It's, it's, it's all about ecology. It's all about don't just use what's there uh, without thinking about what's coming along. With, you know, uh, restrain. Don't, um, I'm not 
getting it across perhaps as, as clearly as I'd like, but it is one of the fundamental things as a waller we have to do. We, we, we cannot just uh, hit a stone and try and fix it. You know, we, we have to restrain and think, oh, maybe it's okay the way it is. Maybe it's a problem solver. But we look at many things like problems, but maybe they're problem solvers. Yeah, that's perfection in that imperfection, right? Yeah, very much so. But I, I do love what you said about the mossy stones because <laughs> I, mean, I know how many but times know, have hard. we yeah. have we looked at a stone and I'm like Neil, you got to use this stone. You Look that, at the moss. Yeah, and he's yeah. like, <laughs> you need that discipline though. It's tough. Moss, <laughs> oh, lichen. Oh, we love that stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, and, and I, I still have trouble, and and I um, um but essentially when when I'm dealing with a client and the client says, oh, can you use this orange stone? I'd like to see this orange stone in the wall. And and I have to I have to say, you know, it may go in the wall. <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> but first of all, you're not the boss, I say to the client. And I say, and second of all, I'm not the boss. It's the stones that are really going to uh, have the final say in how they look because you're concentrating on structure first. And if you do that, uh, the beauty does come, but if you're concentrating on it being beautiful or you, you're, you're meddling too much and trying to make it beautiful, you, it will not look beautiful it, and it will not be structural. <laughs> and Neil, I think you can relate to that early on. I feel like we've had a lot of conversations with you feeling or maybe overanalyzing what you were doing oh, too to much. Do. And then it seems like the days you would come and say, I just, I just, did it you know i just worked and i just got it done and then you're never sure of how it looks and then i would come to the job and be like oh my god this is amazing yeah, I, I go through this process john for me and and this is with with everything that we do flat work walls i'm never completely sold on it while i'm in the moment i have to leave the job for a while and come back oftentimes to appreciate it yeah. or look past yeah. something and then mm -hmm. i say to myself how ridiculous were you <laughs> why you why you put yourself through that hell that's odd mm -hmm. No, it shouldn't be hell, though. No, that doesn't sound right. You, um, welcome Neil's to, a tortured welcome to soul. My world. Neil is a tortured soul. <laughs> That's why I do yoga. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I do advocate to my students that uh, they build a little, and then they have to get up and walk away from the wall and turn around and look at it. And in that moment, most of your inner knowledge, your, your, your consciousness about aesthetics and balance and, and, and anything to do with stone sort of click in. And I think you see it and you go, oh, oh, well, that doesn't look very good. <laughs> or, oh, well, that part kind of works. Or, oh, look, that stone looks crooked. And it's the standing back from it that, and, that, and the fact that it's dry laid and not mortar allows you to go back and fix it. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, that is a good point. Um, John, I was I was curious, though. I wanted to kind of go back and see if we could talk a little bit about your time in England and yes. what you learned from those people there and, you know, stylistically, maybe what you were seeing there that you didn't see here. Just talk about your experience going to another country and learning a skill in another place. Well, okay, if you want, I, I will. Do. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was born in England, which is, oh, which no is I think, a big... Um, a big factor in all of this. I was born in England. My parents moved when I was four. I managed to find them. <laughs> <laughs> you caught up with them, right? <laughs> it's an old Woody Allen joke. <laughs> uh, 
Um, they moved to um, Montreal and then Winnipeg. And then I grew up a little bit in Detroit. And um, then my parents moved to Toronto and um, I became uh, uh, filthy rich through a, no, I, I, I was commercial. <laughs> what a life. The storage took a turn. <laughs> <laughs> I was in a commercial and made some money. Uh, at which point uh, my parents thought I was unbearable because I was a teenager and I had money. So they said, <laughs> why don't you go off to England where you were born and then look around and see, see some of your relatives and friends and things. Get some humility. <laughs> and uh, I did. And I fell in love with the country that I had basically forgotten as a, as a four-year-old, but, but it was in my blood and, and the the castles and the, oh, wow. the sheep and, and, and the ruins and, and the walls. It was, and the cathedrals, it was, it was like, it was the blowing history. me away. The history. I, I, um, I remember seeing Stonehenge and I, I had, I, all I could do was just, and you could go up to it then. And all I could do, cause I had nothing, I had nothing with me. There was not a camera or anything. And I just hugged one of these mm. dolmens or, or I forget what they're called, the, the uprights. And um, I, I attribute a lot to that. I think I soaked in something on hmm. that, uh, on that uh, trip. Some energy. And, and uh, went back, as I said, the next time I went back, well, I did go back two times uh, prior to that. But going back and, and arranging to uh, work with dry stonewallers in, in, in their country, which I now was... Um, hooked on dry stone walling as my profession was um, was pretty insightful. I, I realized that there's a, there's a bit of a stigma about uh, walls in England um, because of the, the circumstance of the Closures Act and, and, the, and the fact that people probably build walls because they had to more than uh, just just for farming's sake, but but to actually um, prove that the, the land was theirs and, and uh, there was this, um, also uh, uh, the fact that they were kicked off the land once there was uh, uh, enough stone walls around that they didn't need as many people tending the sheep and things like that. So I'm, oh, wow. I'm, I'm beginning to see that uh, what we have here in North America and Canada is a very different look at stone walls. There, there are more glamours here particularly and, and there's more potential for experimentation in in England and, and, and Scotland and parts of Ireland walls are associated with uh, with not uh, not being particularly stylish or, or a potential for for art but but just a thing that uh, uh, has fallen down and and speaks of, of, of troubled times or, or unhappy times. So are you are you saying that in in England whereas here stone is somewhat Historically, <clears throat> once once stone became associated with um, kind of an upper class, it's a status symbol, and it to became a more of a status symbol. Are you saying in England, stone walls are more of a reminder of kind of this relationship between landowners and the peasants who worked the land? Yeah, there's a lot of history there, and it's not all well, good history. Yeah, and I also think that's part of the reason it hasn't taken off in North America quite the same as I would have anticipated. That the people who came over were very uh, some of them were really probably quite violently opposed to dry stone walls. They probably huh. made to build them and then they were shipped off and, and they came to Canada and they said, there's no way I'm going to build with stone, you know, oh, and there wow. was a lot of wood here, right. of course, but um, 
I, I, I was at a Highland Games doing building a, a wall as a demonstration project. And um, a, a Scottish lady walked by and and she was crying and she said, I, I didn't realize how, how much I miss these dry stone walls. Mm. You know, oh. She said dry stained dikes. And I and I thought about it and I and I thought, yeah, our, at least I feel my job is to is to at least do gesture drawings of 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 something that that uh, connects with people and they and they maybe see a section of wall maybe it's only ten feet long at, at, at the Highland Games or at a or in a park even and and they remember their past they remember the old country. Also, like to think that I'm I'm saving uh, a lot of jet fuel by building things that look uh, like a ruins and maybe are not, but but saves you having to go to England to look at ruins. Mm. <laughs> well, it's funny you bring that up. We we were talking um, earlier before you came on. We were curious if there were any um, historic walls or any conservation efforts in Canada to preserve walls because there certainly is here. Uh, and again, because our history is so entwined with the stone walls that we see throughout New England. So you are technically not supposed to take down stone walls. When you find them in the woods, you're not supposed to take the stone. Mm-hmm. You're, sp- you're supposed to leave them. Yeah, some, <laughs> some, them. some areas are more protected, protected than, than others. others. It's, it's almost town wide here. Yeah. Do, you, by town. do you find that there are other conservation efforts for? To preserve anything that it's is certainly it's certainly needed, but I, I'm not aware of, of anything very well put together in terms of um, spelling it out. What mm. what can be taken down or, or what can be removed? If a farmer, if a farmer agrees to you uh, having some stone off his property, I don't know of any restrictions on him for allowing that or not allowing that. Yeah. I think to here, I think the narrative going back 15, 20 years ago a lot of us believe that all of our stone were these own stone walls that would be taken down and resold. We didn't really realize that we are still tilling stone. And that is in large part what we're buying when we're talking about our field stone here, Mm -hmm. Um, where Mm -hmm. uh, we have a mishmash. So we're in Massachusetts and when we're buying our stone, it's a mishmash of of stone that's coming out of Connecticut um, and New Hampshire, Mm -hmm. Maine, everything kind of, strewn mm-hmm. together and, and mm-hmm. depending on where you're picking from so it um I, we deal with a quarry that's local we deal with farmers who have stones mostly in piles not in walls at all they right. they would be hedgerows of them but uh i never i i very rarely feel like i'm doing anything that i shouldn't be doing uh because uh we're using local stone and and i feel like that's a it's like a catchphrase, the local, local food. Um, it's, it, it, it's a, a, a re a return to using the materials that are most close to us. Now, what do you think um, that just kind of brings up in my mind, the environmental um, aspect of using local stone? And I'm curious to hear from you what the, you know, we're talk we'll talk about environmental footprints and what, what a dry stone wall using more native stone means um, versus, you know, we're, we're now we're seeing stone that's imported from all over the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I would get on my soapbox if you don't, if you, if you don't 
stop me. <laughs> Preach, I'll, brother, let you, I'll let you take one step up. How's that? No. <laughs> um, I think it's wrong. I think it's very wrong to bring stone from far away just because you can afford it or just because you want to be unique or for, for any number of reasons. I, I think it's, um, I think it's, I don't know what the word is. Is it a shame or is it unnecessary? Um, there's, again, we're, we're blessed where we are. We have, you have stone where you are and we have stone where we are. Um, but when I see uh, someone importing stone from China or, or worse, and here's the footprint part, may, crushing stone to make a material that looks like stone to build with. That, that to me you know, is the- I never is, thought is, of it that way. <laughs> That's interesting. It, it's, a, it's nonsense. It's just, it's like, tr it's trying to manufacture something that you don't have to bring the manufacturing part into. Now, a lot of people can argue with me and I, I can go on a long time about it. I understand uh, some of the arguments, but I still think the, the main emphasis that we, have to take is to de-manufacture. We need to stop manufacturing things. And a dry stone is like a gift because there's no middleman. There's no need to uh, have an improved stone. There's no need to uh, bring it from far away. The stones that are closest, if you're if you're in an area where there are stone walls to be built, they will be there. Will be stone there. Mm. And I think I would just say, as I think we, we've had this conversation amongst ourselves and with others, I think for the most part, we're very much on board with what you're saying, but we are design build. And so I will say the designer part of me always tries to look at what's locally available, but I'd be lying yeah. if I didn't say, if my job is not only to be environmentally conscientious, but also aesthetically and functionally conscientious for the client, then I think that there are times that I certainly, I will look outside of what might be, you know, within mm -hmm. a hundred foot radius. I mean, I put, mm -hmm. I, we've used travertine, you know, <clears throat> um, I will not use stone from China. <laughs> I have put my she foot down adamant about it. on and it, that. And it gets pushed on her. But, a lot by distributors. A lot. What about manufactured stone? I'm sorry. What about manufactured like stone? Con like concrete pavers and that oh, like sort a of veneer. Thing? We don't. We've never used any type of veneer. I actually don't even really do natural stone veneer. To be honest with you, um, yeah. it's just something that I'm not. I've never really done. Yeah. Um, I try to stay away from it. Yeah, and yeah. we we don't do a lot of work with um, concrete products, but again we're in sort of a different position in that we're working with all sorts of clientele and there is definitely a price difference. So mm -hmm. between natural stone and say mm -hmm. a concrete product. So, you know, it's like everything, there's a balance in everything, right? So mm -hmm. my number one priority in what I do in this industry is to get people outside and to get them outside and connect to the environment around them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I have to sometimes sacrifice the ideal solution to be able to do that. I think what we, what we, yeah, what we do is we estimate the ideal scenario and that's if it's, we have our druthers a hundred percent of the time, that's natural stone sure. on a, on a flat work level. Um, and then we'll give them a brick option, a clay brick option and mm -hmm. or a paver option as mm -hmm. a different price point. 
And mm-hmm. as designers, I think when you're talking native stone, that's something I think we all could have a better understanding of and educate our clients as mm-hmm. best as practical. Yeah. Not only the cost, it, it, it can't just be the cost analysis, but it has to be the environmental analysis because to some people, thankfully, that's a major consideration. So yeah. I think it's, it's, it's on us to yeah. explore that. With I them. just bring it up because I think it's a great philosophical conversation mm. that we have within this industry, what our d- ideal solutions are and what are your number one priorities. Mm-hmm. And again, I just come back to this driving idea that my number one priority is to get people outside and connecting to nature. And if it takes a less than ideal solution to make that happen, then sometimes it has to be that way. Always, because maybe I can make up for it by a real heavy, like heavy native planting. So I can, because that doesn't impact impact them financially as much. So I can still kind of bring in this different aspect that they may not have thought of, but I can still be within their budget. So I just like this conversation because I always feel like we talk a lot about ideals, I think, in the world and how we want to save everything. But Mm -hmm. there is a reality to everyone's situation. And so if you can pick and pull and figure out your battles and where you can kind of bring in that consciousness, then I feel like that's a win. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What say you, my friend? (laughs) What say you? No, it's it's a good, it's a really interesting conversation. I, I have had the privilege of exposing people to something that's local that they didn't mm-hmm. consider. And, awesome. and that's mm-hmm. a privilege. I, I remember uh, we built a bridge uh, for a lady. Uh, her property had a creek that went through it, and she was insistent she wanted a bridge, basically because we built a bridge for her brother, <laughs> and she wanted one too. And uh, I want one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, can I get one? <laughs> and and uh, it's a long story, but the part I want to get to is, uh, I'm trying to remember now, is the um oh boy um what did i say that word was before um, hmm, this is a moment discipline restraint no yeah that was a word back then but there was a <laughs> word closer more recent oh you were you were talking samantha um uh, exposure um uh, this lady did get the we, we built her a bridge and she said i want to i want to bring my landscaper here to see this and her landscaper had been on holiday or something and, and hadn't been there for a year or so because we had other walls on the property and and she came and and she was a nice lady and and she looked at the dry stone walls and the bridge as if she had been giving a different color on her palette that she had red green yellow orange but she didn't have purple and 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 she never even knew about purple mm. uh it was like you you can do this. We can do it. And it was, it, it was, it was a new voca- a new part of our vocabulary. And so uh, I think what I like doing, and I think what you guys can do is expose people to what their options are. And some of those options I think are closer to them than they realize. Yeah. And, and so you, you, you bring them, you, you not only bring them out to nature, but then you show them what's there. There are rocks there. There are rocks all around. Right. Yeah, that, that's an amazing point because I often think about the industry as a whole and when it comes to wall building and patio building and walkways and these sorts of things, 
there, and this kind of dawned on me recently, there is a whole younger generation, John, that really does not understand that natural <laughs> stone is an option. It's actually secondary right. where, yeah. because of how and where I grew up, fortunately, I mm. understood natural stone and I understood, okay, bricks. I had never seen a concrete product in the ground mm. my whole young life. So, you know, some people just know what they have handed to them in a catalog. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then that is pushed to the end user and the end user doesn't know that they have options either. So it's mm -hmm. very interesting to know that when, when you think about it in that manner, it's mm -hmm. just, it is, it's kind of mind blowing, but it I is. think it's that's more than normal. Really. <laughs> Say again, sorry. I, I, th there's so many parts of, of this this and what do we call it material this trade this way of construction that is is counterintuitive and yet so healthy and and for the environment for our brains for each we uh wall building is a communal thing there's usually not much uh uh, manufactured materials to go with it. There's not, uh, there doesn't have to be heavy machinery if you're using stones that two people can lift at the heaviest. And, and so there's all these different things that come together. And, and the one that we're concentrating now on is that the option is that, that there are places where these, that stone has been overlooked because something in this universe has been pushing for us to be making concrete making plastic, uh, you know, uh, extracting unnecessarily from our planet. Yeah. So yeah. that's, those are big things you think about when you're working with just, just stones and rocks. <laughs> I know. But, but also too, it's, it's harder. So the modular systems, it's very easy as a business owner yeah. to train people how to do that. Um, so they've, I will say uh, when it comes to the concrete paver, companies, they've done a tremendous job when it comes yeah. to that. Yeah. Um, and something that we've evolved with is when we first started, I had in my mind this idea that my company would be much bigger than it is now. And through the years, I've really pulled back on that because I, I don't, I personally, and there's to each his own, and I respect, you know, people that are making a living in this industry, but I... I've realized about myself, I don't want that big outfit where I have to take on more of these modular systems. That's just not, mm -hmm. that's not my brand. Mm -hmm. It's just not what I want for myself. So mm -hmm. we're staying smaller in order to do more natural stone work, more specialty mm -hmm. projects. And I think we've really started to assess even more so lately um, what we need to do to be as creative as we possibly can. I think that's a really good segue into John talking about your work because you have some of the most beautiful yes. work that I think we've seen out there. And I mean, not, you know, we're talking a lot about walls, but you don't just do walls, you do arches and you do sculptures and you do pine cones out of stone sculptures. <laughs> and these I mean, follies. <laughs> it's it's, yeah. it's yeah. pretty wonderful. Uh, thank you. I, I should make it clear that it's not just me. I, I'm often I get to do things because I have students uh, who are willing to go on uh, great excursions with me into the, the realm of dry stone walling. And we will build something 
that I might not have been able to talk a client into as quickly. That so there's there's some examples of things that that I've done with my students, which I'm very pleased with and are standing and are quite structural. But it's not just me; it's it's a, 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 you know a group of people who build them. And uh, mm. in other cases, in California particularly, we've done some stuff that. Uh, very talented people got together with me and uh, I, I most often would come up with the design and then we'd build it together. So I guess, you know, Frank Lloyd Wright, did he build his house? No, a lot of people built it for him. <laughs> I have to get that clear a little bit. Well, we'll talk about the process a little bit though. So in terms of how, because clearly you're making a livelihood at this. So, I mean, I think. <laughs> so I think so. I, I should be tired by now and I'm not. So maybe I have. <laughs> well, listen, we never said, of... we never got into this industry to be, you know, rich, That's right? Sure. We, <laughs> we always say that. <laughs> but talk about your process. Does a client come and approach you? They have an idea? It's, or all, they... it's always different. Uh, the internet has been really helpful uh, I, it, in connecting with people who need stone walls uh in educating people who didn't know about stone walls uh, the emails and texts and and then my work now is mostly word of mouth there's there's uh, often uh, uh, repeat business where uh, people want more things on their property uh, there's uh, all kinds of different ways of connecting with clients uh, uh, the one way that i thought was going to uh, perhaps get some work was uh, there's a there's a thing in Toronto called uh, Canada Blooms, which is a garden show. And uh, when we first were doing uh, dry stone and trying to get the exposure out there, we would we would go every year and, and do something at Canada Blooms. But it, it didn't seem to be the way it didn't seem to connect. And I and it didn't connect for me either, because uh, those four or five days when you were making uh, your your exhibit or whatever you want to call it, where it was like hell. There was there was machinery. There was noise. There was uh, people dumping uh, stuff. There was grinding and sawing and tamping and then putting plants in really fast. It was like warfare. And I thought <laughs> people. And yet, you know, at, at one hour it just shuts down and they pump in some <laughs> music and everyone's walking around and suddenly there's ladies in bathing suits walking around <laughs> and, you, and you go. Oh my God! If if people could have seen what went on before, and I, I think I'm I I re rejected that. I said, is that the clientele I'm trying to get? People <laughs> who would be easily fooled to think that uh, that the garden that, that has been made there was a, a was so um, so pretend. So uh, it, it, there was something not real about it again. So I I started I. My um, um, substitute was that was that we started uh, doing festivals where dry stone walling was the the main thing, and it was a, an honest um, building of of something without lots of machinery, without all that extra stuff. You know, we just uh, it was a sort of um, a backing off of the. Um, the trade show approach to because uh, the stone walls uh, seem to be a, a different uh, a, a different kettle of fish, I guess. So you didn't have vendors at your mm. festivals that were selling vacuums and blenders, John? No, what? no. Oh, we tried. Gosh. We had one guy selling kilts, <laughs> utility kilts. Well, so. that's oh, acceptable. That's, yeah. that's actually welcome. That fits yeah. right in. Well, we're <laughs> laughing. We're laughing over here because we had we've done years of flower shows with. Um, 
really, I think, spectacular stonework. And yeah, we we stopped that. Yeah, it's it's an odd audience. You're right, because they all think you just, oh, you can do this in three days. Oh, why are you charging me that much then? Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. And then the vendors that came in, oh my goodness, I just didn't want to be associated with that whole scene. It's wild. Mm-hmm. Um, just- I think stone keeps us real. I, I mean, we can venture into maybe some uh, aspect of technology and manufacturing, but you got to get back to stone. Even stone balancing is is a, a way of of just... Uh, slowing down and, and saying, am I in tune with this stone even? Can I even balance it? You know, that there, uh, I, I really, I'm not a great balancer, but I was doing a little on the beach today and I was thinking uh, it's, it's a form of meditation. You have to really take a deep breath, slow breath and, and tune into what stone is because it's a pretty special substance. Mm, for sure. Wow, the way you were talking, you just mm-hmm. made me like sleepy and calm. Beautiful. <laughs> like, oh. it's, like a, it's like a yoga class. I know, right? I was thinking about that though, when you're talking about <laughs> the breathing and holding that stone. <laughs> yeah. You're you're doing the vinyasa. You're doing the yoga flow right there, man. Yeah, but it's not a technique. It's, it's, it's just, you know, everything uh, becomes a, a class or, a, or you can write a book about it. But I, I think uh, the self exploration the uh to just like i was i was thinking i was sitting there and thinking why do we just give kids sandboxes why not mm-hmm. fill them with stones too <laughs> stones and sand like a, like uh for people who can't get to a beach or can't find stone uh there should be at a hardware store a bag of of, of stones you know not not too many much bigger than this but but that they could uh, that kids could, and you mentioned this earlier, that that you, you need to grow up with stone, I think. Yeah, and well, they love rocks and stones. I was going to say, you'll be happy to know, John, that in our sandbox, we have stone, logs, <laughs> sand, <laughs> pretty much drainage supplies, I think. Yeah, so <laughs> we have, they can get their hands part on. of our property is where we keep our business. So there's piles of dirt, stone, oh, everything, sand, they're happy as a clam creative too it's 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 yeah, fun I, to watch so i think a lot of us grew up with lego and and that was good because it the first legos particularly made you imagine what you were trying to do by clicking these things together and so you'd create a a very you know uh, it was a very primitive looking man or horse and 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 then later on i think lego dropped the ball because they made the horses for you and they made the little men and they and then the legos were all specialized so that one lego only did one job and uh, i think um again kids are missing that because they really need to just be given a, a a fairly repetitive material and then create from it rather than have a specialized oh this is an antenna to a star wars jet and it fits right. in here and yeah, when you look so, at it that way, it's become pretty static. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting observation. So, John, though, I'm not going to let you get off the hook talking about working with clients. Because, <laughs> okay. um, and the reason is because because you've taken stonework and your stonework is really kind of at this very artistic level, I want people to understand that they can take their work to that kind of level and still kind of run a business out of it. So I would like to kind of get a better understanding. So a client comes to you, let's just 
play pretend, a client comes to you and they have an opportunity to build a bridge structure. I know you said, so I know you said that maybe you would bring people in. So, so what happens? What happens? Well, everyone's different. As I said, I, I had a client who said, I want a bridge. And, and I said, great. I, why do you want a bridge? And he said, well, I saw the one you did down the street. And, and this was now the third bridge I was going to be doing based on two that had already been done. So there's a, a momentum of, of exposure to what I do. So uh, I think that's one element. Another element is, uh, well, ask me the question again, reword it again. I just Well, so let, me, so let me backtrack a little bit. So let's, you're, let's say you're going to take on this project. Do you at that time then reach out to students? Do you have other people who aren't students that other professionals that you would bring in to help you build it? What's the process of building it? Do you have machinery? Well, I have, I have no, I, I don't have a process. Um, okay. I, That's fair. I, have a, I, I often look back and think, well, I could maybe say that was a process, but it wasn't a process at the time. So, um, the first bridge that I was involved in building was based on having seen one in Scotland, a pack horse bridge, which was built uh, by a friend of mine, Norman Haddo, who is a Scottish diker. Mm. They're called dikers. In, yes. Yeah. In and um, he built this beautiful, beautiful bridge. It looked for all the world like it was 300, 400 years old. And yet it was only a couple years old. And he told me the story that it's a delightful story. And I had an epiphany there and I, I, I stood on the bridge. And I said to Norman, I said, what, why, why are there no bridges like this in North America that I know of? And, and I was pretty sure I was right about this. Now, there are some, but they're not many in North America. I said, Norman, would, if, if I could arrange it, would you come to Canada? And if I could get some people together, would you teach us to build a bridge somewhere in Canada? And, and we he said, "Why, sure, John. I'd love to." <laughs> In his great Scottish accent, and we uh, and I came home, and a year later, I had a, a found a client. I knocked on his door. I knocked. It was a it was a bed and breakfast in town here, and I knocked on the door, and, the, the, and David answered. And I didn't know him at all. And I said, "How would you? Uh, what would you think if we built a bridge on your property?" <laughs> 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 uh, we would build it for you and and all you have to do is buy the stone and i thought you know it was a quiet for a moment and then he said it was a really interesting answer he said am i an idiot <laughs> and i still wasn't i still wasn't sure he said well yeah i would love a bridge and and uh, and and that was the first one and i I then invited 10 people uh, to pay $100 each to be part of this thing. Th- that money went to flying Norman over to Canada, and we built this bridge for wow. him on his property over a little creek in uh, in one week's time. It was wow. just it only took a week, wow. and and it was amazing. On Sunday when we were building, the church bells in town were ringing. It was a quiet Sunday morning. It was Thanksgiving morning, actually, our a Canadian Thanksgiving, and all I could hear was the ha- hammering of chisels and and church bells in this little valley where we were building this and i thought this is perfect this is wonderful and it was that bridge when we finished it that i got a phone call um 
a couple weeks later from this lady who said, you built a bridge on my brother's property and it's beautiful and I would like one. <laughs> so that was the next one. And so they, they sort of multiply. Uh, they, I've, I think I've done 17 of them now in, in, oh, wow. in Canada and the States. And each one has kind of a connection with a previous bridge. So they're bridging each other. <laughs> That's so cool. Literally, literally. So, so it really does sound like, I mean, you, you kind of, you end up bringing a group of people together in one way or another to get mm -hmm. these projects done, mm -hmm. which is obviously a very unique way of working. But mm -hmm. what an amazing... We have, a, we have a loose knit network of wallers here in Ontario, particularly. And if there's a project to be done that is bigger than your small crew you have, you can call in other wallers and they'll come and help. Cool. And, and so that's a really nice thing. And uh, it's, a, it's a, a collaboration of people... I, in the same way as stones collaborate to become a wall, I, I, I feel like people are starting to fit together. That's interesting. So my what I take away from that story for our listeners is just ask. Always just ask. Because right, that's right. an amazing story about how you got your first, you did a cold call and you got it. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I think cold calls are great. Uh, combined with... Um, I mean, let's let's assume that you have a talent, that you have a skill to build walls properly. We, we've skipped that part in a sense. There could be some people who want customers and shouldn't have customers yet because they don't know how to build properly. So we'll, mm. we'll jump past that to say that let's say you're a good skilled waller. There's nothing wrong with doing a Photoshop picture of what can be done at somebody's house and, and do a cold call that way. Say, your house would be improved by, or your property would be improved by a wall, say going around here and, and show them photos or drawings of what, what, what it could look like. I think that's legitimate. Hmm, interesting. Now, it, when you are working with these groups of people, something I'm really interested in is, um, well, you had a quote at one, at one point that we read that said, I'm an avid supporter of the idea of sharing knowledge freely from others, mm -hmm. which I really love that quote. Um, and just, in that knowledge sharing, mm -hmm. right? You're gathering that knowledge from others. You're putting that out into the world. In those group settings, what are, what are the, some of the things that, that you benefit from? What are the, some of the things that you've learned from working with groups of people? Because I imagine that's a skill in and of itself to be able to you know, not only come up with these visions, but see them through with a group with all these different personalities. I liken it to like an orchestra that everybody... Uh, comes with their skill and, the, and their violin or their cello they've been practicing and and they bring an element of the music to uh, uh, to the whole composition I, mm. I I like the fact that walling is not a one-man sport usually or should, I, I don't think it needs to be for everybody uh, a one-man sport I, th I think oh, when you're working with someone else you 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 see, how they do it and and first of all you have to be you have to be teachable you have to you have to say to yourself well i've always done it this way but am i wrong to think that he's doing it uh badly and and it makes you think about um all the different ways that stone walls are built and and they're i i think of it as now i say it this way they put a man on the moon but they still haven't agreed about how uh, how a dry stone wall should be built. There's there's <laughs> all still legitimate disagreements about 
which way and how you should place the stones and how much harding and whether there should be um, uh, through stones and, and what you do if you don't have them and uh, should you place them upright or should you course the stones. These are all things that you really uh, come with your own ideas about and, and confidence that it works for you, but you also have to be open to to go to somewhere and see people doing it differently and say, oh my God, I never thought of doing it that way or I didn't think that would work or how, how does that work? I, I went to Majorca and they, they, they built totally different than us. So uh, it's a learning experience that, uh, that I think you're talking about and, and it's a give and take from other people who, who bring all kinds of knowledge with them. Even, you know, amateurs might, and I don't even want to call them amateurs, but stone lovers and, and enthusiasts can come and do something uh, and place stones in certain ways. And I think, well, before I tell this person that it's wrong, I should really analyze, is it wrong? Is it, is it, and, and, and be teachable at the same time. Huh. I guess. Well, do you think that's one of the reasons kind of this idea of, of this orchestra and these musicians in a way coming together for one common goal. Is this sort of one of the reasons why you started the DSWAC, right? I got the acronym right. <laughs> There's been some right. confusion about acronyms. <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't. It wasn't. It was just a pure love of stone. These these other things are all sort of perks and, and uh, these are all bonuses with you, you, you're basically following a very primitive we all, I think, have a primitive love of stone and it just needs to be unlocked. Right. Yeah. But then you realize what all these other cool benefits are of it. And and one is, you know, the exercise and, and what we talked about. But it's meeting other people. It's working with other people. It's standing back and seeing what what looks like. I mean, it's very, very easy to make look, something look new. But if you can make something that is convincingly looks old that's a really happy experience right right well and i love what you just said about we we do have this innate love of stone because mm -hmm. um you know i've worked with clients who just live in a regular suburban setting and you get a little bit of stonework in front of them and they can't stop touching it they can't mm. stop looking at it and and the touch i think mm -hmm. is what's really important that's a big one that's right. a big one and i I, I've sort of assumed that, but never consciously thought about the whole thing about touch. But I, I have a friend who said, no, no. He said, you do, you build things that make people want to touch it. Mm. And that, that's all, maybe that's all you need to do is just get, build anything that gets people touching stone because we don't touch stone very often. If, right. you, if you're not working with a substance, oh. when was the last time most of the people you meet in the grocery store have touched us? That's interesting. Touch on that day you know I, if i do a lecture i take a stone with me and i and i put it in the first person's lap in the first row and i say hold the stone and, and pass it on to the next person because i i said i'm i'm probably right in thinking you probably haven't hugged a stone today you know and they laugh and and i i feel like it's just touching a stone or stones unlocks a little bit of what we're talking about here is is uh unlocks a beginning fascination with well maybe we can do something with these stones and that's the next step and i and i just think just to go back to that touching it's funny we did that at a presentation too we had little bags full of little right. stones that i handed out for that exact reason Good. and i think Good. i think when you think about it again it's just these 
millions and millions of years that we cannot even wrap our head around of yeah. how long it's taken for this substance to form. Mm-hmm. And intrins- intrinsically, we're a part of that in some way because we're here. And so to be able to get your hands on that, that just immediately connects you to that mm-hmm. whole cycle of life. I don't know, it's just wild. Mm-hmm. It's not spooky. Uh, it's something else it's it's magical magical isn't the right word it's grounding it's like it's it's grounding grounding. yes um it's humbling and humbling there there are so many words who has the thesaurus (laughs) let's go let's whip them out (laughs) i love when i was growing up i love the thesaurus it's awesome yeah yeah wonderful wonderful book and i was preparing to be questioned (laughs) and and i knew about this podcast um i was driving along and i thought you know one thing i would like to get across and and it's it's the fact that uh as uh, as someone who works with stone the way um i do and you sometimes do is 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 being a hunter gatherer it's it's an invitation to get back into becoming a hunter gatherer we instead of it being uh some buffalo or something it, it is the stones that we hunt and we gather and we gather so much that we create a dry stone wall and that is such a satisfying experience because most of us have moved on from the hunter gather thing mm-hmm. now i know that there are hunters that go out and they they do it because they love what they do but i think that uh i and many of my friends who, who build walls uh, have the most satisfaction of the whole experience of actually going and getting stones even if it's to a quarry and loading them in the trailer or uh, loading them somehow and getting them back to where you can gather them and make something with them is a very fundamental grounding essential experience for 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 human to to have yeah i agree but and as you're talking though i am thinking to myself it's all well and good right to talk about the process and being the person who builds it. But I think there's definitely two groups of people because mm-hmm. you people, <laughs> you two, y'all use stone builders. Y'all got a little bit of crazy in you. I always like to say. It's called passion. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so I feel like you can be someone who really feels something from stone, like myself, who understands the power of it. But I do not have the personality to, or the, the patience, I should say, to patience. the patients to patients to kind of take the time but you're a gardener you're a gardener you can plant something and wait three years for it to come <laughs> but i'm totally it. impatient Good i know point. but i'm coming <laughs> no i know and that's the conversations we've had right i'm supposed to say that working with the earth and working with the plants has taught me to be patient and just let nature do and no i'm super impatient well, that's funny, though. i just don't have a choice it's funny because <laughs> when she properly places her plants in the new garden, John, and they're, you know, in court containers. I'm looking at it like, gosh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of topsoil showing here. What are we doing? Can we put these together a little closer? Yeah. A little more immediate impact, but that, that's her whole level of restraint. That's the, that's her restraint. That's her issue when it comes to restraint. Right. I, I, that's actually interesting. I never thought of it that way. I have restraint, but I don't have patience. I always, I want that end goal. I want to see that garden. It kills me that it's going to take three years, four years, five years. 
Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but I have a choice. So I yeah. like, I like the, and that's okay. That's just who I am. It is okay. But it's perfectly I, okay. Now, listen, um, I have had to correct people who look at what I'm doing if I'm working in a, a public place and or at a, a Highland Games or something. Uh, they say, "Oh, you must have a lot of patience." And and I, I I often used to say, yeah, I do. But then I thought, you know what? I don't either. I I'm, <laughs> Yay! I'm, a, I'm similar. If I can build a wall in say three weeks that looks like it's been there for a hundred years, I've actually I'm impatient. And and I good. And I'm glad to hear it. <laughs> has has produced a wall that looks a hundred years old. So I, I I'm I'm a junkie for. What is it? I'm I'm totally impatient. Let's put it that way. Oh my so, gosh! Thank you, John. I feel yeah, vindicated. Like it's yes, okay. <laughs> I think the, in uh, every every podcast episode, we get a dose of therapy from all of our yeah, listeners, and this is the oh the it's therapy okay moment of me. episode twelve. Thank good, you, John. <laughs> oh, that's. That's pretty it's, it's good to get to know you people so publicly uh, in such a public form. But uh, I suppose we uh, we should have connected long time before this. But I, I am very pleased that you took the initiative to do this, at least. Yes. Well, I'm looking forward to the Rocktoberfest and these sorts of things that I told myself I was going to get to pre-COVID. And now I have a whole new outlook on life where... I'm not going to miss these things going forward once they get started again. Good for you. Good for you. Um, it's a good thing to tell yourself. Um, I, I have a friend whose wife said to him, you know, whatever that guy's doing, get connected to it because he's there's something going on there. And and he he told me this later, uh, many years later. And, and I thought, well, that's a very, that's a wonderful thing to say. And I don't know particularly where I'm going, but I, I keep, as I said, I look back and there seems to be a method that is working. And I, I, again, I just attribute it to following a passion, following the poetry of what you do and say, uh, give it a chance uh, and beware of anybody who wants to put a label on it or manufacture it or put it out in a different way. Um, let it always be as honest as possible because I think the final, the final analysis is uh, if you can do it, and it is the real thing. It's better than doing it and making it and trying to make it look like the real thing. For, for instance, if you're a gardening, you wouldn't put a, a, a plastic rose bush <laughs> in your garden. It would it would look like it, but it's not the real thing. And so, if you can build a wall with real stones, and it then it is a real wall. But if you have to do it in some sort of uh, lesser way, it's going to be lesser in uh, of, a, of a therapy or lesser for you to think about and, and feel proud of, I guess. And what a metaphor for life. And I feel mm-hmm. like especially, especially the world that we live in right now, I think with the advent of social media in particular, um, we've sort of lost that ability to speak our truth in a way mm-hmm. and, and much mm-hmm. of the way that you're talking about being authentic with the stone the stone almost mm-hmm. forces you to be authentic. Mm-hmm. And I've thought more than once about, you know, stone and stonework and what a metaphor for life that is. You had a great blog, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, the precious points of contact. 
blog. Yes. I imagine you wrote that around COVID time, hmm. right? Because oh, I think yeah. it was in March, yeah. right? Yeah. And just this way yeah. that we may start to connect with each other differently in these, having these three different points of contact, like when you do your balancing sculptures. A tripod. Um, it was just great. It was like, it was just one more um, example of how this work that we do outside, how so much of it is a metaphor for the life that we live. Mm-hmm. So talk about the blog a little bit for you. Is that a little, oh, bit, of, is that a little bit of therapy yes. for yourself? Like what, how do you have time I, to do it? Years ago, I watched um, Julia Julia and Juliet, or uh, it, it was about Julia Childs, the the the, um, the oh, um, documentary, right? What's the lady who who wrote the the cookbook. Um, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. Julia Childs. Yeah, yeah and, and so there was a movie about it. It's a great Saturday Saturday Night Live skit. Oh, where she okay. chops off her finger, but she had so much great energy. She chops her finger off, and there's blood spewing anywhere, and she's like, no, 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 no. She doesn't lose her energy. She's just cooking, <laughs> chopping things up. There's blood flying everywhere. <laughs> Okay. But I digress. Yeah. <laughs> um, what were no, you saying, digress. John? <laughs> um, let me say this. The, the blog uh, was an, originated with that, that uh, movie because I realized that I had stuff I just wanted to say and, and put out there. And, and it, was, it was really the discipline. of It was like journaling. I didn't really need anybody to read it. But I needed to get out. Why is this stuff so crazy good to work with? What what is it about stone? And what is it about stone walls that that makes me wake up every morning and go, "What do I do?" Oh yeah, I work with stone. <laughs> oh boy, why? And 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 why am I so excited about that? So each day was a, an attack at or or an, another coming in from another side of why it's so much fun and why it's so important to <laughs> to me uh, building with stone. And and it, and before I knew it, I had months of of daily thoughts about it uh, behind me, and and so the the initial sort of fear of how how often can I do this? I mean, maybe I could write for a week and then I'd run out of things to say. I proved to myself that there were there was tons to say and there was months to say, and I was doing it every day for for close to nine years. I, I hardly skipped a day of, wow. of writing about about stone. And then I, I sort of let off a little bit because I thought, well, you know, maybe this is not, maybe that now it's gone the other way. I'm, I'm just uh, too involved in the discipline of writing. Um, but what happened, uh, which really helped, was that I, a publisher picked up on it and said, would you, um, would you uh, consider doing a book about dry stone wall? Have you seen the book? You, well, I, that you know? was going to ask you about the books that you have out. I definitely wanted to touch on that. So that's it, great. It just that happens to be here. It just happens to be <laughs> right next to you. <laughs> we'll get that up because we'll, we'll definitely get that out on social media. Yep. Yep. Um, oh, no. Um, and, and um, but I bring it up because I could then just go back into my blog and cherry pick the essential stuff about and not just a how to book, but why to and what's the thinking process and what is the, um, what are the, the, cool things about building with walls, about uh, collaboration, about learning about yourself, about restraint, about exposure to other people's techniques. Um, The whole thing fell into place. Uh, So my blog was something that in a sense, I didn't realize was gonna be so helpful to to writing a book and and also to getting clients, of course, because sometimes they will read that and, and, and then contact me. Nice. But it's mostly, uh, I need to, um, entertain 
I, 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 I now realize if I write something, it's, it's partly uh, to entertain people and, and get them thinking about rocks in a way that maybe they hadn't thought of before. Yeah, excellent, excellent. And then you, I mean, so you have probably what three or four books out from what I was. Well, there's at? Apple books. My my lovely wife has um, these wonderful, um, uh, you know, self published right books right. that are right. um, they're they're a really good way to uh, and and I think there's lots of different companies that will um, do this for you, but they they will help you um, put out a book which is far better than just a. Let me show you a catalog of my photographs so sure. and mm-hmm. bring out our photo album. I really appreciate the way that you express yourself. You look like you're having a lot of fun in life um, from what I've seen through your Instagram account um, and just talking about how you're putting your product out there. So much of your product is, is you and your personality. So I really appreciate the levity um, that you're bringing to Instagram. It looks like you're having a lot of fun with it. So I just was curious about it, it, and that. I am. I, that would be hard to miss, I think. Uh, however, some people do miss it. I've hired people and I've said to them, you know, um, you can work with, uh, we're going to be building walls and, and uh, you know, you might be late for work or you might not get it at first or you, it may be any number of things that possibly could be annoying for your boss, but I'll tell you the one thing that will get you fired is if you're not having fun. And, <laughs> That's uh, awesome. And, and I've, I've had to fire people because, you know, there are people paying me to, to learn how to build and they're working alongside me and they, they want to get, they want to learn all they can. So uh, it's a workshop situation. And, and then I, the next day on Monday, I'm working with a guy who I'm paying to be there and doesn't even want to be there. You know, he's, he's waiting for waiting for coffee break. He's got a 15 minute coffee break at 10 o'clock. And I said, look, I can't I can't do this because you have to love what you do. And, and uh, uh, I, I will accommodate all the inconsistencies of you not knowing it, how to do it very well. But you better better be in love with it. And and that comes across i i imagine that that i'm i have fun doing what i do absolutely and, and anything awesome. in life i mean you can't take yourself you, you can take your work seriously but you can't take yourself too seriously and i think no. that's what we've we've finally learned in our older age <laughs> is that it's okay mm-hmm. to take your work seriously but you got to loosen up and it's it's interesting <laughs> i think in this world of design and creation People, to, a lot of people take to, themselves very seriously. To kind of pull back from it. I mean, I feel like we all have to justify our work in a certain way. And maybe that's just a sign of maturity. I'm not quite sure. Maybe everyone's just different and they have it right from the get-go. I'm glad to see that you're people who are who can laugh at yourself because that is very important. For sure. Well, I fall down all the time, so it's hard not to laugh at me. <laughs> She'll get up from the table and bang her knee and... Hobble I fall along off and bikes. I walk into walls. I, yeah. <laughs> I do all sorts of things. <laughs> yeah. I, for one, am ecstatic that you came on. I think the conversation was oh, awesome. You. You're Absolutely. Kind. You're too kind. No, your personality. Oh. It's, it's, this is what our audience likes. Authentic, real content. So, well, um, I'm very, very, that, then you've cultivated yourself. So that, that is getting, that's coming across. Um, if I could say anything, I would say that Instagram is a pretty good way of, of connecting uh, our ideas with, with other people, and you're doing a great job doing that. I would like to explore more with Instagram 
um, this, the, the kind of stuff I'm doing, but but integrate it with words and and poetry and things, which is kind of the direction I'm going. And and uh, hopefully uh, we'll 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 continue to do till I I can't do it anymore. Yeah, I don't see you retiring in any way. No. Maybe just transitioning at some point, but I. I get the sense you're going to keep creating on some level. And then well, on thanks. Instagram, you are, uh, and correct me, I did not write the tag down in front of me, at John Shaw Remington? No, it, nope. uh, Instagram is Drystone Waller. Right, I knew that. I knew that. Uh, but I, it was very cool because my, my daughter, who's very savvy, my older daughter, she said, Dad, you ought to get on Instagram. And I, <laughs> I, I went on there and they said, choose a name. And I just... I just chose Drystone Waller, but it was early enough that no one had chosen. Yeah, I know, that's that's a good one to have. And then I felt the responsibility. Well, now I better be Drystone Waller. <laughs> so my content is it's not very much personal stuff. It's it's all, you know, stones and stuff, which I kind of like. I, I I can I don't have to be too personal. I, I can be um, what uh, the name is that I'm a drystone waller. I, I like that expression, even though, as, as I said at the beginning of this conversation, I think they should have chosen a different name for it because it's it's not dry. You often are working in the rain. <laughs> in the mud. <laughs> but we can find your blog. There's a link from your Instagram page to get to your yeah. blog, right? Right. And then yeah. what is the website for the DSWAC for anybody who wants to it's, check that it's out? It's just at dswac.ca. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Awesome. John, you're amazing. Your work is beautiful. <laughs> what a fun conversation. Yeah. You're very much an inspiration, sir. I appreciate you. Uh, I thank you very much, both of you. And please edit kindly. Uh, edit <laughs> the whole thing out if it's not any good. No, no not much editing. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Please be sure to follow us at Landscapes and Pancakes underscore podcast on Instagram. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment where you listen to this podcast. And as always, check out our work and progress on magmadesigngroup.com and magmadesigngroup on Instagram.